Good morning, church. Welcome. We're so grateful to have you this morning. We're feeling extra thankful as we step into the week of Thanksgiving. I'm sure we're all very excited for turkey and lots of delicious food. So let's, uh, if you would stand with me this morning, we're going to worship together. I'm just going to open us in prayer. As always, I just want to uh, take a moment to center ourselves, just to fix our eyes on God this morning. All the busyness of the week, the distractions, the stress, the joys, the things that we have to do on our to-do list, we like to uh, set those things on the shelf just for just for a brief time to just focus exclusively on God. He's so worthy this morning. So let's do that together. If you would join me as I pray, Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day. Every day is beautiful when we are walking with you. And I'm so grateful for your presence this morning. I just ask, Lord, that you would meet each person in this room, every person here, every person watching online, God, that you would just fill that space. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. We welcome you. We're waiting for you. That's why we're here. We're not here to just sing some songs and to hear an amazing sermon from our wonderful pastor, which we are so blessed to have. But we're here to meet with you. We need you. I ask God that you would just fill us up, refresh our souls. Lord, you promise that you are the living water and those who drink will never thirst again. God, but sometimes we feel thirsty. So I ask, Lord, that you would just refresh our souls, that you would remind us of your presence, that you would help us to drink from the living water this morning. There's many waters that are offered to us throughout our week, throughout our life, God, but we choose to drink from your well, the true water, God, and help us when we're feeling thirsty to realize we're drinking the wrong water. Lord, I just ask that you would help us this morning. Keep us focused on your presence for this time so that we can go out into our weeks and that we can let our light shine before men so that they would see our good works and glorify you, our Father in heaven. This morning, God, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. All right, let's do this. Lord, our God is surely in this place. 
cross and he rose up from that grave my god still rolling stones away there's joy in the house of the lord there's joy in the house of the lord today and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the lord our god is surely in this place and we won't be quiet we shout out your praise we were the beggars now we're royalty we were the prisoners now we're running free we are forgiven accepted redeemed by his grace let the house of the Lord sing praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. And we were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. Praise Him this morning. keep it going. All right. I'm going to read this morning. Um, this is just an intro into our call to worship. It says, I choose to rejoice in God's creation today, joining with the ancient praise of all God's people in the words of Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who care out, carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Amen. So be it. good you are good when there's nothing good in me you are love you are love on 
display for all to see. You are light, you are light, when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace, when my fear is crippling. You are true, you are true, even in my wandering. You are joy, you are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, even your death has lost its sting. And oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your life.
I hope so, because I did a lot of songs about kings this morning, because that was my understanding. So, is Christ the King Sunday? We're going to celebrate Christ our King. So let's do it.
It's an old song that's also a new song. If you're not confused, you'll understand when we start singing it. It's going to sound familiar, and then at the end you're going to be like, what's happening? Just follow along. It's a good song. You're going to love it. of God. Oh, baby. 
a moment, worship Him. We don't have to move on yet. or our prayer time, continuing our worship time into prayer time. Um, This morning, I could not um, help myself, but um, I just felt a little bit overwhelmed at the burden that some dear friends are carrying this morning. Um, And it's, it's normal for me to lift my hands in worship. That's a way that I worship. Um, I can't not do it, (laughs) and so that's just normal for me, but this morning as I was raising my hands in worship and as I was singing certain words, I was claiming them for my friends, who my heart is just heavy for this morning, and I couldn't help but think about the story of Moses in Exodus chapter 17. I don't know how familiar you are with that story, but it's Uh, when the Israelites are fighting against the Amalekites. And to demonstrate the power of God, God often worked in specific ways with Moses. Moses did certain things to demonstrate that this is God's power moving. When I do this and you see God move, that's so you know that this is the God we serve. He's mighty, he's powerful, He, he does these things, this is who he is. And so in this particular moment, Moses is instructed to lift up his hands as this fight is happening between the Amalekites and the Israelites. God told Moses to lift your hands. This is a posture of surrender. This battle is not yours, it's God's, right? This battle's not ours, it's God's. And so God has Moses lift his hands in surrender. And as Moses' hands are raised, the Israelites are stronger, they are prevailing. But then something happens, and this often happens. Moses gets tired, and his hands get tired, and he's having a hard time keeping his hands raised. Have you ever felt like that? Where it's just really hard to keep your hands up? And so I love this part of the story because Aaron and her come beside Moses, and each one takes an arm, And they hold it up. They hold it up for him. And I love that story so much because it's a reminder that we get tired and we grow weary. And sometimes we need our friends, our church family. This is who we are. This is what we do. We come alongside and we lift each other's arms up when we're tired and weary. And that's all I could think about this morning is that I am proclaiming and declaring these words of promise and truth and hope for some dear friends who are having a hard time seeing that 
And so I don't really know where I'm going with this other than this morning I would like to invite you as we enter into a time of corporate prayer. This is corporate prayer. This doesn't mean you can't pray to God privately and, and for your own personal things, but this is a time where we are to come alongside one another and lift up hands for one another in prayer. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you, who can you lift up this morning? Who can you intercede for this morning? Who can you bring to the throne this morning in prayer before God? And I'm going to challenge some of you who maybe have a hard time reaching out to people, letting them know that I just need prayer, I need support, I need to be seen. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you to do something that might be really hard, and that might be to just put the hand on the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you and let that serve as a signal that I just need you to intercede for me this morning. You don't have to know the details. God already knows. Sometimes knowing all the details makes it that much harder, right? And if you're sitting alone and there's no one around, you can get up and move. Maybe the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and help us to know who we need to approach and just pray for. He does that, you know. This is the God we serve the Holy Spirit works in ways that enlighten us, that, that remind us and, and move us to go pray for someone when they need it the most. And so I say all of that to say, let's come together in prayer this morning, whatever that looks like. And let us lift our hands together as we pray to God who sees us, who hears us, and who we believe will intercede and step in. Amen. Let's pray. God, we just humbly come before you this morning here in your presence. Surely you are here in this place. Even though some of us can't feel you, we can't see you, we can't hear you. We're struggling to see the evidence of you in our lives. That's just the honest truth sometimes. We don't do anyone any favors when we pretend that that's never true. And we miss out on the beauty of being a holy community, a holy body, a holy people when we isolate and when we don't reach out to our brothers and sisters who serve many purposes, but certainly who stand in the gap for us, who help us to, to see Jesus when we can't see him, who help us to declare truth and promise when we don't have the strength to do so. And so God, I pray that, that you would just help us to see this value in community this morning. 
God, let this be a reminder to us of prideful, stubborn, individualistic people who just want to get by on our own. And we just don't want people in our business. We don't want people knowing what's going on and how much I'm struggling and how much I'm hurting and how much I'm suffering. God, let this be a reminder that we need our people. We need our community. God, this morning, there are those of us who stand and who lift up our arms on behalf of our brothers and sisters who don't have the strength to do this. God, we just think about those who are struggling with with health issues, with serious health issues, Lord. And those health issues lead to serious financial, overwhelming financial issues. And God, these two things combined, is, it's the perfect recipe for disaster and for feelings of stress and being overwhelmed to the point where you just don't know how it's going to work. God, this morning we stand in the gap and we plead. We pray, God, to make a way when there seems to be no way. God, we pray that you would be the provider, the healer, the sustainer, the strength giver. God, would you just help those who are feeling buried in stress because of health issues or financial issues, relational issues, God, would, would you help them to see you, to see a glimpse of your light and your hope? God, you are a God of abundance. We declare that this morning. We look at our lives and we so easily see all that we do not have. We look within ourselves and, and we see all the ways in which we fall short. And God, we are reminded Some of us need to be reminded, but we are reminded of our ever-present need for you, our help. God, I just pray that you would just speak to the hearts of those who are before you this morning. God, would you meet them? Would you meet us? Would you draw near to us? Would you speak to us? Would you give us a word of hope and promise this morning as we look to you? God, we can't do this without you. We look at our lives and we see the mess that they are at times. This is not everyone, God. Some people are here praising you today for the good things that you have done, for the ways in which they've seen you at work in their lives, and and we praise you. You are good. You are faithful. And when we go through seasons of, of difficulty and challenges, God, the hope is that we can look back and remind ourselves, this is my story. 
My God is faithful. And just when I thought he was finished, he stepped in and he rewrote my story and he moved in a mighty and powerful way. And I'm going to remember that as I look forward to the ways in which I'm pleading with him to do it again. But for those who are still in the middle, God, God, we just pray that you would meet them in that middle. Holy Spirit, would you comfort? Would you bring peace? God, would you give us the strength to put one foot in front of the other and to keep going? God, we need you. We need you. We were created in you. You sustain us, and we need you. God, would you just reveal yourself to us and just remind us of our need for you and remind us of your faithfulness and your goodness this morning. God, we thank you for being a God who can handle our our what-ifs, our fears, our doubts, our questions, our fears, our anxieties. God, I pray that you would replace all of those feelings with truth, promise, hope, renewal, faithfulness, healing, provision, God, give it abundantly. God, as we open up your word, I pray that you would just continue to speak truth. Holy Jesus, as we focus on on your kingship this morning, on your lordship, on your messiahship, would you help these words to come alive in a new and powerful way? Holy Spirit, would you just soften and prepare our hearts? to hear from you and to respond in an appropriate way to the glory and goodness of King Jesus on this Christ the King Sunday. We praise you, God, our Father who hears us. We praise you, King Jesus, who loves us and who died to give us life. We praise you, Holy Spirit, the ways that you help us to see your closeness and your nearness right here, right now. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I'm feeling really far away, so I'm just going to scoochie.
See, friends are good, amen? (laughs) They grab your tissues when you need it. Amen. Well, as we have shared multiple times already this morning, today is Christ the King Sunday. Um, I kind of shared a little bit about this last week, um, that we are nearing the end of the Gospel of Luke, and here we are. Well, we're not at the end of the Gospel of Luke, but this will conclude our series in the Gospel of Luke, the the long, long series that started out as a summer sermon series. In fact, this week when I sent out the weekly newsletter, I looked at my little logo for the series that I've just had on there the whole time, and it said, it said, the Gospel of Luke, a summer sermon series, and I never changed it. And I was like, that's just a nice little reminder there for you that this turned into a fall series and a winter A series. <laughs> and, uh, but here we are, uh, the culmination of the series in Luke and Christ the King Sunday. Uh, we have spent this entire series looking throughout the Gospel of Luke, and, and we did not even stop at every moment in the Gospel of Luke. And, and I know that's hard for some of you to believe, but it's true. There were many things that we uh, passed over, and so we spent this entire past, like almost six months, looking up close at Jesus' ministry. We certainly started with his life, but really it's his life picking up where he entered into ministry. And so we have spent the past several months looking at how Jesus' ministry began and what his ministry looked like as he journeyed and as he traveled toward Jerusalem. We, we noticed one of those first weeks, we looked at Luke chapter 4, where Jesus preaches for the first time in the synagogue. This is the beginning of his ministry, and in that moment, he prepares people. This is why I have come. This is what I have come to do, so get ready for it, right? He says in Luke 4 that I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, I have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is why he came, and and over the past several weeks, we have seen that play out. Right? We've, we paused and noticed Luke 19.10 several times where we see Jesus, what you could almost say was a mission statement, that he came to seek and save the lost. And we see this play out time and time again. We've spent the past 20-something weeks unpacking exactly what it looks like for Jesus to come, to seek, to find, and to save the lost, the marginalized, the outsiders, those whom society has typically rejected. And today is Christ the King Sunday, the culmination of this series in the Gospel of Luke. And if you think about it, in just a moment, we're going to quickly walk through but, and remind you, but if you think about it, we've, we've looked over the last 20 weeks and we've studied and learned and we have become acquainted with just what kind of king this Jesus is. We have, we have looked closely at and become acquainted with how this king loved and what his kingdom will look like and does look like. And all of this has then taught us something about us, those who are called to be participants in this kingdom, this kingdom of God. 
And so if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, before we get to the main reading for today, I'm just going to invite you to slowly walk through. No, it's not going to be slow. It's going to be really fast. Quickly walk through just a little bit of a reminder of what this king is, who this king is, and what it has reminded us throughout this series. We have looked throughout the Gospel of Luke. We first noticed what what Jesus' kingship means for the original audience, right? We've spent a lot of time looking at that original audience, those to whom Luke is writing, those who will be reading his words, and those who were standing in the midst of, of Jesus as he has come to do these things. And we've reminded ourselves what these words and what Jesus' kingship meant for them, and then in turn, what it means for us the modern readers who are to take these things and and shape a life that is empowered by King Jesus. So throughout this series, we have seen, as noted in this series, we have seen a king who responds to the faith of friends, who bring their needy friend to Jesus when he couldn't do it on his own. And that's certainly relatable to what I was saying earlier. That this king looks at friends who bring a needy friend to him, to Jesus, when, when he couldn't bring himself, Jesus looks to the, to the faithfulness of those friends and responds to that faithfulness. He is moved, he is compelled in that moment to touch and to save this friend. And as participants in this kingdom then, we were challenged to bring the needy among us to Jesus when they cannot bring themselves. We've seen a king who welcomes in a Gentile, a Roman centurion, one who was considered to be an enemy, an outsider, and yet this outsider demonstrates again great faith when he is compelled by what he sees in this king, Jesus. And we are challenged then as participants of this kingdom to ask ourselves if the world, when they look at us, Are they compelled? Do they see Jesus? We've seen a king who doesn't stop an unclean and defiled, bleeding woman from touching him when this would have broken so many laws as she desperately seeks to be seen and to be touched and to be healed. And as participants in this kingdom, we are reminded, rather than deeming someone as unclean and untouchable, to radically welcome them into the presence of Jesus, where we know that he will touch and he will deliver. We've seen a king who rejects the notion of his disciples to burn up the Samaritans, to to destroy and get rid of those who oppose them. Right? The disciples wanted Jesus to act against the Samaritans, those whom they despised and with whom they could not disagree more. And instead, we see that this king welcomes a charitable discourse with those who oppose him, seen in his interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well, who was, again, divorced, immoral woman. And as participants in this kingdom, we are challenged to not allow issues to divide and separate us from those who would otherwise have an opportunity to see the Spirit of God at work in their midst. We are to remain open to where that Spirit moves and sends us. We've seen a king who challenges those who say they want to follow him, right? He, he, 
He causes them to pause and to really take in into consideration what this means for them. We see a king who does not pretend like everything's going to be easy and great, right? We see a king who is realistic and who says, count the cost first, because so many say they want to follow, but then they don't actually want to give up their lives of comfort and ease and pleasure, Right? And so as participants of this kingdom, we were challenged to lay down our lives, living them unselfishly, not living for the pleasure of anything or anyone else but King Jesus. We've seen a king who taught that the most important command next to loving God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength is to love neighbor, those who are the hardest and most difficult to love as ourselves. And as participants in this kingdom, we are challenged to go and do likewise. Walk toward, not away from, those who we are so challenged to love. We've seen a king who was in one moment glorified in a powerful and incredible way, and rightfully so, as we looked at the mountaintop moment when when the transfiguration took place. And as participants in this kingdom, we were challenged to certainly lean into those mountaintop moments, but then remember that coming down from the mountain is difficult, but the power of God is is at work, never ceasing. We've seen a king who taught not to trust in ourselves, our own abilities, and our own resources, but instead teaches us to trust in the abundance of the kingdom of God. And as participants in this kingdom, we are challenged to live open-handedly, trusting in his faithfulness and provision. We've seen a king, this one is, is always interesting and a little bit startling. We've seen a king who is not interested in the illusion of peace. He is not interested in pretending like everything in the world is fine and it should just be left alone, right? But this king challenges us to to not cease crying out in the face of injustices. And we see that this king reminds us to pursue the real thing. As participants in this kingdom, we are challenged to pursue the real thing in our own lives. Peace, shalom, unity, reconciliation, as we lean into the work of the kingdom of God that is happening here and now. We've seen a king who frustrated his fellow Jews by healing on the Sabbath. And he reminded them that the Sabbath was made for freeing and restoring those who are in bondage, which, by the way, is all of us. And as participants of this kingdom, we were challenged to foster a church culture and a church atmosphere that is open to God, always anticipating the ways in which he will move in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And we are challenged to celebrate with them, not oppose or dismiss them. We've seen a king who has reminded us that he has invited all to come and to participate in his kingdom. All are invited to this banquet, but many will reject the invitation. And those who will receive, those who will come, were considered the most outside outsiders, if you will. 
And as participants of this kingdom, we were challenged once again to count the cost and to not neglect the ways in which we are invited to show up and to participate. And we were also challenged to ask ourselves who is invited to our tables. We've seen a king who told stories, and he told a story about a prodigal, not just a lost son, but a father who loves, uh, who loves recklessly at times, radically. And we are seeing that not just, this, not just the son is lost, but we are to look at our own lives and, and acknowledge that until we experience the radical love of the father, that we realize that we are just as lost as this lost son. We are challenged as participants of this kingdom. We are challenged to, to see ourselves as the son, but also to acknowledge our own lostness at times. We have seen a king who sees the Lazaruses all around, those who are needy, those who, who society typically ignores and rejects because, if, and that's if we even see them because we're so preoccupied and busy with other things. And, and this king talks about the Lazaruses all around and encourages those of us to see them and to not neglect them. We are challenged as participants in this kingdom to humanize the Lazaruses, to see them, to, to draw near to them, to love them and to serve them. We've seen a king who, who, teaches, to, who teaches us to see those who are citizens in God's kingdom, that, that we see those as those who are humble, those who reject pride, and those who call it out when they see it within themselves. And as participants in this kingdom, we are reminded to humbly teach to humbly love, to humbly instruct and guide others to walk humbly with our God, just like this king did. We've seen a king who declared that the kingdom of God is both now and not yet. It's both experienced now and to be experienced. And it's seen and experienced when the hungry are fed, when the naked are clothed, when the orphans are adopted, when the oppressed are set free, when the lowly are lifted up. And as participants in this kingdom, we are challenged to look for the signs of life that are all around. We've seen a king who tells stories of what justice looks like in the kingdom of God. And this king welcomes persistent cries in the face of injustices, and as participants in this kingdom, as pursuers of that justice, we are reminded to show up, to stand up, to speak out, and to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. We've seen a king who told a story about two people who came before God, one humble and one proud. And this king teaches that examination is necessary always as we look at ourselves and acknowledge where and how we can grow rather than saying, I'm so glad I'm not like them. As participants of this kingdom, we are challenged to see within ourselves, to ask God to show us the error in our ways so that we can go home justified in the eyes of God. 
I'm almost done. We've seen a king who reminded us that re- of the resurrection life that is to come. Even though we cannot fully see or comprehend or imagine all that that entails. And we as participants of this kingdom are challenged to rest not in the hope of resurrection, but in the promise of resurrection that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior, our risen King. We have seen a king who teaches the ways in which the provenient grace of God is at work in our lives. And responding to that grace, he shows up and disrupts the life of a tax collector who then responds by giving away his riches to those around him. And as participants in this kingdom, we are challenged to recognize the ways in which the provenient grace of God is at work in our lives and in the lives of others. And at the very least, We are not to hinder it. We're not to disrupt it. And finally, we have seen a king, a Jewish king, which that detail is going to be important in the passage that we look at, a Jewish king who makes startling claims about the temple, which serves as the main structure for the Jewish nation and how it would be torn down and destroyed, and the people of God will see that God is not confined to a structure or a building And as participants of this kingdom, we are challenged to be a church who is more concerned with the people in our midst, in our communities, having what they need and knowing Jesus. I've quoted scholar N.T. Wright often throughout this series, and I love how how he would take this Christ the King passage and, and sum up the Gospel of Luke, saying, all throughout the Gospel of Luke, we have seen that Jesus has stood on its head the meaning of kingship and the meaning of the kingdom itself. He is continuously celebrated with the wrong people. He has offered peace and hope to the wrong people. And he has often condemned and warned the wrong people the coming of God's judgment. And now, in this moment, he is hailed as king at last, but in mockery. And so I'm going to invite you to stand as we read our Christ the King passage this morning in Luke 23, verses 33 through 43. With all this in mind, we read, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, 
today you will be with me in paradise. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Just so you know, the passage today is in the middle of the sermon, so you can take a sigh of relief that we just now read the passage. It's going to tie up pretty quickly because we've, we've been building tension up until this point. And there's a few important things that, that we are reminded of as we look at this passage of, of Christ the King and how people ultimately responded to his kingship. You see, Jesus' kingship Lordship, Messiahship has always been challenged. From the moment he entered into ministry, his lordship, his messiahship, his kingship has been challenged. We see this three times in this passage alone, right? In verse 35, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah. If he's the king, he can save himself. That's not too difficult. In verse 39, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and, oh, by the way, us too, And we see it again in verse 37. If you are the king of the Jews, if that is who you are, it's what the sign says, save yourself. What king, what powerful king who held all of the power would refuse to save himself, right? And we see this, that this seems, at least to me, this stood out immediately. This seems to parallel a significant moment that happened before Jesus entered into the ministry when his kingship was challenged by Satan, right? In the desert, when Jesus was in the desert in the wilderness for 40 days leading up into his ministry, his kingship was already challenged. If you're the king, prove it, show it, use your power, serve yourself. Jesus has always been challenged to use his kingship to demonstrate his power and to save himself. A real king would save himself. And I think for any other king we read about in scripture from beginning to end, they absolutely would, right? We see in this moment, all throughout the gospels, we see a king who whose ministry and whose kingship was never self-serving, right? It was never self-seeking. Have you thought about that? That not one time throughout Jesus' ministry over the past 20-something weeks, that not once does Jesus use his power, his kingship to serve or or to, to benefit himself? Instead, we see a king who time and time again, either literally or metaphorically, takes a knee and serves others. That's the kind of king that we see all throughout the Gospel of Luke. Another thing that we notice in this passage is that Jesus' kingship, his messiahship, his lordship is really convenient when other people have something to gain, right? First, we'll use it to mock him and to say, well, how powerful are you if you can't even save yourself? But then also, if you really are the king, could you use that power to save me? Right? We see that in in lots of ways throughout the Gospels. Throughout the Gospel of Luke, we've seen that. But we see it most, most, in this moment, we see it with this criminal who looks to Jesus and says, if you are the Messiah, save yourself and us. Right? Could you do me a favor and save us while you're at it? Could you get all of us out of this mess? I mean, don't you want that, Jesus? Could you just demonstrate your power and save all of us? I love how Professor 
Emerson Powery says, the desire to turn the messianic identity into a useful resource for personal gain is as old as the biblical story itself. And we ought to take notice at what Jesus' response is, and it's nothing. It says nothing, and that says everything, right? But the greatest irony of all is found here in this moment when the criminal says, save yourself and us if you really are the king. The greatest irony is found here because in refusing to save himself, Jesus does become the savior to all and for all, and all will then be saved through his death. Amen? In contrast to all of those who mock this king and who challenge him or who seek to gain something from this kingship, in stark contrast stands this other criminal who on this day and in this moment will receive the salvation that Jesus died to give. He's contrasted with the other criminal. He is humble. He is repentant and he wholeheartedly pleads in response to Jesus' lordship, kingship, messiahship, in the presence of God in the flesh. This criminal is overwhelmed and compelled and recognizes we deserve this. I deserve this. I am the reason that I am here. But Jesus, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And I love Jesus' response. If you pay really close attention, you might notice that Jesus' response is the Hebrew word which translates to amen, meaning let it be so so will it be. Today, you will be with me. I find it interesting and fitting that, that even though the, the two criminals are not unique to the gospel of Luke, they're actually mentioned in all of the gospels, but only the penitent criminal is noted in the gospel of Luke. And I just find that so fitting, right? As we consider this entire series, I find it so fitting because it reveals to us once again Luke's understanding that the destiny of the Christian, of the follower of Jesus, is to be with Jesus. And in highlighting this detail of the story, it demonstrates this ethic of repentance and salvation that has always been characteristic to the gospel of Luke. But I especially love what scholar David Neal says. He says, Luke has reported tax collectors and sinners, the sinful woman, the prodigal son, the notorious Zacchaeus, all finding forgiveness. And now, this is important, don't miss it. And now, even a criminal crucified with Jesus can receive, can find and receive salvation by a word of penance and Jesus' absolution. Don't miss this, friends. The final words of Jesus as he slips into death are words of forgiveness to the man who's hanging on a cross next to him. These words affirm the purpose of Jesus' mission. I came to seek and save the lost. Friends, this is Christ the King Sunday. I'm gonna invite the praise team to come back. This is Christ the King Sunday, and today we acknowledge once again 
the kind of king we serve and we worship. This king gave his life away, laid down his life so that we could find ours. This king laid down his life and gave his life away so that we could find abundant life in him. And on this Christ the King Sunday, we acknowledge once again that this king, the one we the one we've spent the entire past 6 months talking about, learning about, reading about, the king that we acknowledge today on Christ the King Sunday, this is the king we worship. This is the king who's worthy, by the way, of your worship. He's worthy, by the way, of your praise. He's worthy of your adoration. He's worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our all. Friends, we are, I know this is as old as this passage. We are, and we find ourselves in those criminals hanging on the crosses next to Jesus. We can find ourselves in all of them, in one way or another. We are them, okay? We are them. But the question is, what is your response to Christ the King? Is your response to challenge him constantly and to say, well, Jesus, if you are king, could you just show me? Could you just reveal yourself to me in X, Y, and Z so I will know? Or do we challenge Jesus sometimes and say, you know, Jesus, it'd be really great if you could use your power to do this for me. I see it fit, and I need you to just do this for me so that I can see and know. Or will you take the humble response of the other criminal, who in the presence of King Jesus, God in the flesh, who stepped into our mess and laid down his life, simply says, remember me? Save me. Is this the king? Is this King Jesus the king of our hearts today? And if so, I want to challenge you and encourage you to worship him rightfully. Worship him in your heart. Give him the praise and adoration he, uh, that he deserves. God, we thank you once again for the gift of your love seen in the life and death of King Jesus. We thank you for the hope and the promise that it means for us who can easily find ourselves in the criminals on the cross. We worship you, King Jesus, today. We invite you to be the king of our heart once again. Amen. You can stand with us as we sing. We're going to declare these truths. Jesus, the King of kings and the King of our hearts um, this morning, I just want to take a minute to uh, acknowledge that I'm not going to turn the light off. I like having the privacy, not really privacy, but it helps to have the light off sometimes. It makes people feel a little more comfortable. Maybe you don't feel like people are watching you. But we're going to have the light on. We're going to worship together. It's okay. So don't feel self-conscious. The last time I left the light on, you guys looked like deer in headlights. So just take a moment, acknowledge that these are friends. We love everyone in this room. We're all here to sing to Jesus, and he is so worthy. Amen. 
So even if we're a little bit uncomfortable, that's okay. Like, he's worthy. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So it's, we're going to bring a sacrifice of praise. Okay, it's going to cost you a little something maybe. But let's sing these words, and let's just really think about what they mean. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song, because you are good. Good. Oh, he's good. You are good. Good. 
one more time. I'm throwing a wrench at you, Les. It's easy, though. We can do it. Because you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, you are good. You're good. version of that song is the one that adds at the end when the night is holding on to me you are holding on when the night is holding on to me God is holding on amen we declare that in faith you may be seated praise team if you guys want to take a seat you are more than welcome um, before we move into um, a moment where we recognize um, we do some more volunteer recognition. I just want to follow up the sermon and just say this morning that we have a response when we acknowledge who Christ our King is. And I pray that we wouldn't mess or miss who our King is and what it means for us. And I just want to challenge us that if the way of Jesus' kind of kingdom is surrender and giving oneself away, then we the people of God living in God's kingdom ought to live in such a way. If the way of the king is humility, then let us humble ourselves. If the way of the king is surrender, let us be willing to give of ourselves. If the way of the king is not self-seeking, then let us step aside. And if the way of the king is death, then let us die to our old selves so that we reflect a new creation in Christ Jesus, our Lord and King. Amen. This morning, I want us to say in just a moment, amen, and I want us to say it in meaning what it originally means, which is let it be so. So when I say all the people of God say amen, we say amen. Let it be so. Amen. All right, well, this morning we are going to transition. I'm going to come down here, throw everybody off once again. Um, but this morning I'm going to recognize two people. I've got four people left. I'm going to recognize two people this week and two people next week um, so as not to rush uh, and, and take too much of your time. But um, this morning I want to recognize two people who, one of which is not in this room. Young, can someone go grab her for me? I don't think she's gone. Someone go see if you can find Young. But uh, first, um, I'm also going to recognize somebody who just means a lot to me because she serves so beautifully and humbly. And so I, I'm going to ask Connie if you would come forward for me this morning. I know, I know. It's such a bitter, it's hard because people don't like to be called out. But, but Connie, if you don't mind, I would love for you to come. And here's what Connie does. See, Connie works behind the scenes. These last four volunteers are, I've called them the behind the scenes volunteers because they do a lot of things that most of you don't see. 
And some of you see that on Sunday mornings, Connie, uh, the first Sunday of the month, she prepares communion. Since we've been receiving communion the traditional way, not with the prepackaged, this is the one preparing it for you all. And it's a labor of love, thank you so much, to prepare communion every single month. And there's just way, I'll call her up, it's okay. Or yeah, young, you come up, come up. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to tell, I'm going to recognize you too, and I'll tell you why. But um, I just appreciate Connie's heart, and a lot of times it's, it's not always in what they do, it's how they do it. And I can't even put to words the way that, Con, that Connie humbly and lovingly serves. She means a lot to me, and I just wanted you to know that. I appreciate you. And then Young, I appreciate you. This, this young lady, she just does so much for us behind the scenes. Um, I can't even begin to tell you what she means to me. Um, every week, other than the first Sunday of the month, she prepares something. And what most of you don't know is that she works all night long, every night of the week, right now, I think. And she goes home, prepares something, and brings it here before she's even had a chance to sleep. And so that's just a little glimpse at what she does, but she means so much to me. And this is just a small token of our appreciation for you, Young, but I want you to know that you are appreciated and loved. Can we give both of these ladies our appreciation? Thank you. All right. Check, check. Just kidding. Um, So I have to start by saying, I just want you guys to know, this is so hard because we have so many amazing, talented musicians and singers in this church. And if you guys, I just need you to understand, I went to a worship leaders conference uh, in October, and I heard story after story after story of here's how you recruit people for your team, and here's how you find musicians, and I know you guys are struggling, and I'm like, what are they talking about? We have a whole bunch of awesome musicians in our church. I just, like, inherited this really awesome team, so I'll give some credit to people who were here before. But we are so blessed. We are super blessed. That is especially rare for a church of this size, that we have so many talented people willing to give up their time. Most of them, almost like every single week, a lot of them just very frequently, they're here, they're serving, they're giving extra time, and they never complain. I keep them here. We have rehearsals. Sometimes they go late. They don't get very much time in the morning to get their coffee. Sometimes it's like 10 minutes before the service, and you can't even like, think for a second before you have to come back up here and do it all again. So I just want you guys to know, like, if, if you there is someone that really stands out that you appreciate, let them know because they are up here and they're serving and all of them are amazing. It's like almost like so difficult to, but there are a couple people that I really want to single out. This week I'm looking at our musicians and I got to start by saying, what a slitherer outer is Bo. What the heck? I don't know if I believe that Jonah's actually sick today. I think he knew that I was going to do this, and I'm just kidding. For the record, Bo, if you're watching this, I was not going to make you even come out of the drum cage. I was going to be super nice about it, but I'm going to say that in front for the record of the whole community, Bo is such a blessing, and I know you guys know, but I'm going to tell you anyways because I can't tell you how much of a support he's been to me since I started as the worship leader here barely even knowing what I was doing, feeling super insecure and scared. And he's been an awesome support. He's not always the upfront and center loudest person, but he's a very supporting person. He serves and he's faithful. And there's a ton of stuff that he does the behind the scenes that you just don't even know about. And so I just want to acknowledge Bo. So Nicole, I'm going to make you take Bo's gift. 
<laughs> so this is for you, Bo, wherever you are. Um, but I got to say that in terms of our team is amazing. Everyone is so amazing. I love all of you. But there's a couple people that really stand out, so I'm just not to embarrass you guys. But I would like to ask Dave and Kevin to come up. I'm really super grateful for these guys. I know you know because you hear it every week. But I got to say, I have zero idea what I'm doing. These guys are amazing. They've been so gracious and patient. I just really appreciate you guys. I got to say, Dave is always early. He's like the first one here. He's like 98% of the time beats me because I'm always running late. But just faithful, faithful, faithful. Here every week, there was one week where they had to go to like a funeral or something. And he was like, no, I still want to play. And I was like, well, you, you can have the week off. He's like, no, it's good. I'm like, all right, cool, man. So these are faithful servers. They are always helping. Dave's helping me out with the chord charts all the time because he has a much better ear than I do. So tons of stuff behind the scenes that we don't, it's not always just up here playing a song, but Kevin is amazing. Everybody knows Kevin's amazing, right? I mean, come on, we can hear that. Such a blessing. Like, I just get this guy, like, some music, or he even sometimes just listen to something. A lot of songs that have these really distinct piano parts that are really helpful for the vocalist as cues to know where you're going, pluck out that melody. He does such an awesome job, and we definitely miss him when he's not here. Like, our rehearsals are like, where is Kevin? I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm really thankful for both of you guys. I'm sorry for making you stand up here. These are just really small in comparison to the time and the effort that you guys give. You guys are such a blessing to this church and to me personally. So thank you so much. All right, very good. Well, thank you for bearing with us. I know this is added on just a little bit to the portion of our service each week, but I think it's important to acknowledge when you have such faithful and humble people serving and you just need to share what a blessing it is. Um, and, and we just wanted to take the time to do that, make it a new tradition where we always have a chance to do that. Well, before I dismiss you this morning, let me uh, share just a few quick announcements. Um, this is uh, a good week to get your Advent book if you haven't yet, because Advent starts next Sunday, okay? In case you lost track of time, it's next Sunday, so uh, those are going to come in handy starting next week. We'll be reading a portion of those every single day. Kathy will have those today. If you still would like to get one, see her, and they cost $6 each um, and that'll just be a really great tool to have throughout the season of Advent as we walk through Advent together as a congregation. Uh, speaking of Advent, we're going to decorate for Christmas tonight. Um, that's going to be at 5.30 p.m. Uh, we're going to come, and you'll be given instruction. It's very uh, seamless and quick how we do it. You're given instruction. You get a team of people on it. You do it, and then that's it. And it's very quick and easy, and it went really well last year. Uh, but the more help we have, then the, the quicker and more efficiently it will go. So you're all invited to come, and you can wear your Christmas sweater if you want. We'll make it real festive. We have Christmas music playing. We, little, we usually have a few little snacks in the back. So um, it's just a great time of fellowship and, and as we decorate and prepare for the Christmas season. Um, I do want to remind you, last week we showed a video that gave you some more information about the thank offering that we um, receive every November 
Um, I think we'll have another video next week to share with you guys just a little bit more about that, but we will be uh, receiving that all throughout the month of November. So if you have not had a chance to think about that, just pray about um, what you could give, and um, you have the rest of the month to do that. I say that, and it's one more week. Next week's the last Sunday of the month, so there you go. Um, Christmas choir practice will be, the next practice will be Thursday, December 1st, and that's at 6 p.m. I think one of the images I sent out this week said, um, it said seven, right? Even though I said six underneath, but anyways, hopefully, I don't think that was too confusing, but it is at 6 p.m. Christmas choir if you'd like to join, um, or if you, I don't know if we're still, yeah, you could still join, (laughs) but just so you guys know, the next practice will be Thursday, um, December 1st, and you can still sign up in the foyer. There is a sign-up sheet out there. Um, for the month of, or for, for now, we've been collecting gift cards for the Restore Network. This is something we do every year. Um, we collect $25 gift cards for the Restore Network families so that this can be part of a gift that they receive at their annual Christmas party. Um, still, please continue to bring those. We will be collecting those until Sunday, December 4th. Um, and we, we have just a few, so continue to bring those $25 gift cards to a restaurant. They are restaurant gift cards, okay? Um, and also, the Restore Network does still need 15 volunteers for the annual Christmas party. So if you thought about signing up and you just haven't, um, I just want to encourage you to look at your schedule, see if you can make that work. If you have any questions, Tricia, is it okay if I send them to you? Um, and she can give you the details on expectations, date, time, and all of that, um, but they do still need 15 volunteers. Finally, Lunch Bunch will be gathering, uh, not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, November 30th. That'll be an easy buffet at noon. So if you're free, we'd love for you to come and join us. And speaking of noon, it's 12 on the dot, and I'm going to invite you to stand at this time. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you go in the grace and peace of King Jesus, who has showed you what kind of king he is. My prayer for you is that you would go and live in response to his kingship. Live as participants in his kingdom. Go in his peace. You are dismissed. Have a great day.